Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. How dare Draco Malfoy tell Martin Bundle to go away? Lewis has stitched me right up here. He's supposed to be my mate. Midway through the flight, he suddenly decided that he want to put me in the overhead locker in the plane. Everybody in the Bears team found all these mouldy pairs in the bottom of their bag. Felt his hand on me. And look back and he says, we're going to get this picture, champ. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TWS podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Hello, my name is Simon Lazeby and I'm a presenter on Sky Sports. You may have seen me present sports such as the F1, international rugby, England cricket and golf from around the world. However, I wanted to come and give you some information about the TWS sports podcast. The TWS Sports Podcast is the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic students who interview some of the biggest names in sport. Each week, they speak to a different sports person and delve deep into their lives, talking about the highs and the lows of their career and what makes them a top athlete in their sport. The TWS Sports Podcast were voted the best sports podcast in the world that promotes social equality. They picked up that honour at the 2021 Sports Podcast Awards. So if you're a sports fan and want to hear these great stories with questions from some amazing young people who promote autism, then the TWS Sports Podcast is the podcast for you. So I know school is a school for autistic children and young adults. I have set this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills while interviewing top sports men and women from a variety of different sports. Join us today on the TWS Sports Podcast. It's a professional boxer. He is the current British and European star, super bantamweight champion. Welcome to the podcast, Liam Davis. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Do you have anything you prefer being called by instead of Liam? Nah, Liam. That's good with me. Okay. Um, before we start, we just wanted to say that if throughout this podcast, if you have any questions for us about anything about our podcast, or you have a question about autism, then please ask. We'd like to answer your questions too. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have some questions, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we like to start our podcast with some random questions before we start talking about your career. Are you ready? Born ready. <laughs> Who is the most famous person in your phone book? Most famous person in my phone book. <laughs> you know, Jay Swindler, the YouTube guy, probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Oh, good question. Anyone in the world? Yeah, one day. Yeah. One day. Um, that is a good question. Floyd Mayweather. Okay. okay. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would you have and why? Oh, superpower. Yeah. Um, the famous one. Uh, probably to be able to eat whatever I want without <laughs> putting any weight on. Okay, basically you'd have a heightened metabolism. Yeah, <laughs> an extreme next level metabolism. Okay. okay then. Thank you for answering those questions. Let's try about your career. We want to take you back to the beginning and talk about your childhood. What are your memories of growing up and did you always want to be a boxer? So yeah, growing up since a young lad, I was obviously born in Shrewsbury, I lived in Donington all my life with my mum and um, my dad was a boxer, my granddad was a boxer before that. So Fear the bloodline going on then. Yeah, I grew <laughs> up really into boxing. I got pictures as like three or four years old with um, 
Hey guys, I always remember we used to go to the market back then with my nan and granddad and our car boots and stuff. And um, we brought uh, things like a wooden thing with a boxing bag on, like you hit it and it comes back and forth, you stand on it. And yeah, the best thing they ever brought me was that. So they brought it me and I used to give it a few hits and then I'd get my marker pen out and draw some tears on the face of it like <laughs> I started crying. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, those are my first memories of boxing, and mm -hmm. that's all I've ever knew, really. Playing around and wearing things that are too big for your head at four years old. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> are there any moments in your childhood that shaped your life and made you the person you are today? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we had a lot of hard times growing up with my family, and things weren't always great, but boxing was all my, always my gateway out, so... Mm. Yeah, I think going through what you go through as a young person makes you who you are when you grow up. Question three has basically, has basically been already answered, but... <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Oh, right. Is it true when you were little you used to draw a face on the punching bag and then when you were finished you would draw tears on the punch bag's face? <laughs> yeah, that's the way I used to show I'd win. <laughs> <laughs> I was undefeated on that little punch bag I was. Well, they can't, you can't punch back. No, that's the reason. And I was the referee, so I decided who won. And I always took myself. <laughs> okay. I want to take you back, you back to your first ever amateur fight. It was against Stephen Smith. What are your memory? What's your, what are your memories of that fight? Wow. That's a good memory. I can't believe you got that name. Well done. Um, our memories of being here because we warmed up in here and the fight was downstairs. So it was, um, yeah, warming up right here <laughs> and then downstairs to the fight. So, yeah, it was, that was my first memories of boxing. It was great, really, because I always remember um, a lot of people weren't sure what it's going to do and I was really confident. And when I was young, said it was against a travelling guy and everyone thought I was in trouble and luckily I won. So yeah, I won my first fight, which is always a good start to your career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as long as you don't get too cocky. That's it. <laughs> um, you had 79 amateur wins and 21 amateur losses. How do you look back on your amateur career and is there a certain fight that sticks in your mind? Um, yeah, amateur, I always felt like I was sort of doing it but wasn't, I was growing up and I was a teenager and you sort of half-hearted into it and luckily I stuck with it but I didn't I didn't reach my full potential as an amateur, I still boxed for England and stuff but I always remember I got to the final once to explain my luck and uh, I, you have to box three days, so I boxed Friday against a number three in England, Saturday I boxed a number two, won one, got into the final, had a broken eye socket so they didn't pass me to box. That guy went on to the Olympics and stuff, he's from Liverpool, so... Broken eye socket. That sounds worse than how I got a pepper shaker in my eye. <laughs> Not the actual pepper shaker. I was young, um, so young I, would, I didn't know what a pepper shaker was. Okay. I saw one sitting on the mantelpiece. Yeah. I was playing with it like a toy. I actually, um, I don't know if you ever watched... Is Kevin and Perry yeah. go large, yeah. and you ever see when he does the vodka in his eye? <laughs> That's so, gonna hurt. When I was younger, they must have had a party, and uh, the next day I seen this vodka, and it's not long after I watched. 
Kevin Perry, and I thought, well, he does it, I'll do it, it's cool. <laughs> and I'd done it, and I was screaming, and my mum said, you idiot, it bloody, they do it with water, not vodka. <laughs> I had red eyes for about two, three days. <laughs> Live and learn. At least, at least. Had the guts to open that eye. Yeah, that's it. I, I, I kept mine closed. I couldn't open it at all. It bad. Yeah, it, it hurt. And I couldn't see out of it. You won't do it again then. Nope. <laughs> I learned not to put a pepper shaker anywhere near my face. Or go near pepper shakers for that matter. Yeah. Um, you then decided to turn professional. Why did you feel it was right? Um, why did you feel it was the right time to turn pro? I was 23 years old. Um, I felt I had 100 amateur fights, like you said. I like that was that was always what I wanted to reach. And he had an opportunity to turn professional, and me and my dad come up and said, "Yeah, we'll take it." So um, the best decision I probably made because that gave me a new lease of life then to uh, achieve other goals and thank. Whoever's up watching over has um, helped make that happen. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, they've got a good person when they when they don't specify a specific deity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the biggest difference between amateur and professional boxing? Well, once it's harder training because you're doing more rounds. So amateur used to do three frees. Now I do twelve frees. Oh. So it's quadrupled in rounds, which is obviously a lot harder. On the good side is amateur, you used to have to weigh in and then in a, an hour or two you box, where now I weigh in the, after, the day before I fight, so you can get your energy back up, so that's good and bad, but the big difference is the rounds, when you weigh in, and the smaller gloves, you wear smaller gloves as a professional and no air guards. And it's and a lot more pressure when you're... And so I believe last time you got a whack in the face. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Before, when we tried to interview you before, you got a whack in the face. Yeah. That must have hurt. Yeah. I've had plenty of whacks in the face. Well, it's an occupational hazard for boxers. <laughs> <laughs> and waiting for the time for it to knock some sense into me. That's what I'm hoping. They'd have to wear knuckle dusters. Yeah. <laughs> Your your first professional fight was with Victor. <laughs> we have no idea how this this pronounces. Yeah, I think I think it's Victor Giga Lashkin. We're saying this totally wrong. Done it better than me. Apologies, whoever this is. Yeah, that was my first fight. Yeah, and it was a tough fight because. He had a, a few wins and he was going into the fight confident. So, and some people have it easy when they turn professional, but um, my dad was never going to let me have it easy. And obviously, if you have it easy, you get comfortable, you don't train as hard. So, I've always been up against it, but always helps you make sure you prepare better. Mm. Is it true that you changed promoters from Eddie Heard to Frank Warren? Why did you decide to change? So, I boxed on the Heddy Earn show. Um, I wasn't actually signed of him, but they said the winner stays on. And I was waiting for my next fight to come through. And uh, we didn't hear nothing for ages, and my manager rang me. And Frank Warren been in touch and said that they want to offer me a deal. And the first fight was in my hometown, Telford, which I ain't boxing that time for many years. So, it just seemed like 
the perfect time to do it. And yeah, so I'm with Frank, and I had my first fight in Telford on BT Sports not long after, so it was good. But if I didn't box on any year, maybe I wouldn't have got the opportunity to go with Frank. So I'm still happy with my decision anyway because I've had good nights in Telford headlines and my next fight and stuff's all main event on BT, which is like where you want to be, really. Um, with boxing, from a fan's point of view anyway, when you see the top fights, I'm thinking of, of Fury and stuff at the moment, there's a lot of, as fans, you just want the fights to happen. Yeah. And there seems lots of things getting away, promoters, fans, money. I know obviously it's, it's, you're not probably quite at the level quite yet, but even at, at the level you are currently, is there the promoters getting away and is it frustrating as a boxer that you just can't make this fight happen? Yeah, it is. It is. Um... Obviously, as a boxer, this is what, like, uh, Tyson and obviously they were there, but same for myself. You have to negotiate money and stuff, and you're trying to get what's worth. It's not just all about that night. It's this is where people don't understand. You've gone without for many years. Like, I have never worked a proper job, always trained and scrimped and scraped at the low level, do you know what I mean? And now I'm here. I want, I want my worth. Do you know, I want to be shown my respect and paid well and... Stuff like that, but I don't get involved in that. Like, uh, my saying is always to my manager, tell me how much and talk to my dad about yeah. whoever the fight is because I'm not interested in fight. I just want to make um, a living out of it and make sure I'm financially secure because, like I said, I've gone without. It's 19, 20 year olds, all my mates working on building sites, earning five, six hundred pounds a week, and I'm scrimping and scraping. Yeah. So, Always, this is the point I always want, got to, and now you have to make sure you make the most of it because it don't last forever, yeah. and it's hard in it because I do understand like when people are looking in, they're saying they want this, they want that, it's too much. Promoters do play a big part, and everyone's trying to earn a pound coin themselves, which is understandable. But we as the fighters, we're the ones going in, risking their life, putting your body through torture, coming again, doing everything. Yeah. Take it back a few. Risk your life. People have died in the boxing ring. This is from the outside. It, it's, it's, I tell you the truth. Before you go in a fight, you have to sign a death um, certificate thing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, Say yeah. you're ready to do that, and fans and stuff don't get to see that side. But that's how serious it is, and people have yeah. died sadly in the boxing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. your first title fight was for the English title at Wembley Arena. This was also your first fight on TV. Can you tell us about that and how it was different from some of your other fights? Oh, it was massively different. So uh, we found out like 19 weeks before, 19 days before, I had a phone call off my manager. I was working on the bins at the time. I was running around, I had this phone call saying, do you want to fight? Obviously I had to speak to my dad and I was a bit, it was in lockdown, so I wasn't really training, I was just, and you're like, come again? <laughs> yeah, I was a bit like, oh, I wanted to, but I just wished I'd trained more. Because of the lockdown, no one knew what was going on, so I was just working and not really doing much. And, um, yeah, so I spoke to my dad to come check my weight, and I had like 9 kg to lose in 19 days, and we just hit hard at it, lost the weight, and it's, I didn't really think about the fight because I had so much weight to lose and a lot of training to do because I wasn't training beforehand. Um, I was a bit tunnel vision and I turned up to, me and my dad went down to London, they put us in the Hilton Hotel for a week and 
walking around. You had Conor Ben there, Alan Babbitt fighting for a world title. And all these, like Eddie Earn, all these famous people. And I felt like it was me and my dad and Donathan just plodding about me. It was a bit crazy and very nerve wracking. Not about the fight, nerve wracking to talk to these people and have to interact with these kind of people. So it was a mad experience. Um, you, could, you could have used used to talk to us beforehand because <laughs> yeah. we've we've had a we we I kind of came up with we kind of decided that we kind of found out something famous people are just people yeah they're just that people yeah. they're not sharks no, that's true. it's not isn't it that's true they're not royalty <laughs> they're not going to bite your head off they can't hurt you. But it's just something different, say it was something that I wasn't used to or never been around, so it was a new um, scenario for us in the boxing, but obviously it worked out great, we boxed on the Saturday, I won with six round stoppage and like I say, that was my first time on the telly and yeah, it was a good buzz after and good things come after it, which I'm very grateful for. What is... Sorry, one, one sorry. You mentioned there about uh, bantamweight weight and... What, what weight do you have to make? What's the weight? So that one I made eight stone six. How do you? I make eight stone ten now. Which and how do you crazy. find that? What's, what's your normal weight? What's your like? Do you struggle? Do you struggle with that weight? Do you have to put weight on? For that I have to make fifty five kg. I walk around about sixty six, eleven kg. So how do you find that? How do you find making the weight? I wouldn't advise it to me online. <laughs> but I'm experienced, and yeah. it's just doing it the right way. So I pay a nutritionist. Uh, who helps me like leaps and bounds because it just takes the stress off. They know what because some boxers just starve and they think, oh, I can't eat nothing. Then it is eating things, just the right things and at the right time. So yeah, you don't go to anyone starving half death. <laughs> but you do go hungry and you go dehydrated. I you drink a lot of water, then you have to get all the water out and you go dry and it's not great, but. Just has to be done, and I will move up in time. But to be fair, I see a lot of people struggle. I don't make it easy because it's not easy, but I make it fine. It don't affect my performance. So when it starts affecting your performances, that's when it's taking too much out of your body. Um, what is your biggest strength in your boxing style? Mine. I'm a good, got a good boxing IQ. I'd say I'm very clever at what I do and my positioning in the ring. And uh, I'd say I'm quite strong, yeah, for the weight. I'm very big and strong, yeah, that's what I'd Except say. for that time you got. <laughs> you know. What time? What time you were hitting the face? Obviously, you broke your ice socket that time. Yeah, and that time. I still won, though. <laughs> but still. I still won, so it was alright. I was happy. Good, good positioning in the ring. Not if you get yourself hit, you know. <laughs> Boxing's like this, if you go swimming, you're going to get wet. If you go boxing, you're going to get hit. That's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> what is your biggest weakness in your boxing style? Not getting hit in the face. <laughs> <laughs> biggest weakness? Um, I'd say, as weird as it is, probably, yeah, I've ne I'm never scared to get hit, so I don't mind taking it, you know what I mean? But that's not clever sometimes. I'm not bothered. I'll, I'd happily take one to give one back. So sometimes that's the bad mentality to have. Well, yeah. Don't be afraid to get hit, but don't, but don't hesitate to dodge. Yeah, that's it. And sometimes I don't. 
Then you should be the dad to be your dad. So yeah, taking too many punches sometimes. Yeah. Liam, we have a selection of photos we would like to show you. We would like to you to explain what is happening in the photos for our listeners and then what the photos remind you of. Okay. Yeah, this is our picture so, questions. This is where someone explain what that is and what's happening. That's me winning um my first title with BT Sports, my second title as a professional, and uh, on Cloud9, as you can see, just absolutely buzzing, made up, all the hard work. Are you in a hoodie? I'm in the gown, yeah. So is that the English title? No, uh, WBC, so that was after my English okay. title, and I fought a guy who fought for a world title before and lost, but he's very, that was my very toughest fight to that date, and um, I knew it was going to be tough and I come through my first time round there. Yeah, that's the next one. Yeah, young lad, training up GB uh, with the famous AJ Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Very good, very good guy. And I remember the day before this photo, he was training and um, I went up to try and ask for a picture and his security guard said he's training at the minute. And AJ must have seen. And, um, so anyway, I went about my day, just carried on, thought I was training, I leave, and then the next day I was getting ready to spar, like rooting through my bag, getting my stuff out. And, and he showed up? I felt his hand on me, and I looked back and he says, we're going to get this picture, champ. And I always respect him for that. Get like, I'll never ever forget that. And yeah. <laughs> so he asked ever... me for the picture. <laughs> never. What can I say? He said, where's Liam? I need a photo. Yeah. Never underestimate. Has to make the eyes of a boxer. True. Never. Oh, yeah. This is my granddad, Tide. Tide is granddad in Welsh, and um, 100 years old. He passed away just over a week ago now, so. Yeah, yeah. I know what it's like. I lost my grandfather not too long ago as well. Yeah, 100 years old. God bless him. That's just a picture for memories, for life. That's so, is he, you mentioned your granddad's a boxer, is that? My granddad's dad. Okay. Yeah. So my granddad up there, Brian, he passed away in 2011. Yeah, with cancer and his dad's still alive. Same, he was same thing happened to my granddad. Yeah, it happens and 100 years old, lived a hell of a life, seen plenty more than most of us will see and uh, so never be forgotten. It's like a um, chunky guy collecting <laughs> an award from the council. <laughs> Been at McDonald's for too long. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like some sort of high school graduation yeah. movie. Receiving an award off the council, which I'm truly honoured to get, and um, not many people have received that award over plenty of years. So it's obviously an special, special an award, and um, I'm very grateful. And yeah, it's good to get recognised for the hard work yeah. that I've put in for many years. All right, this is the last one. This isn't, this isn't you, but. <laughs> it's a fight coming up. So what? So that's, that, who was that? Jason Cunningham. So what's your? Do you know him? What's your relationship like with him? And so um, he's all right. He's a nice guy. He's obviously in my like wants to fight. So it'll all be different that night. But I got nothing bad to say about him. He's got a family, kids trying to provide for him. So fair play to him. But it's either I provide for my family and move on, or he does for his, and that's what it comes to. And I wish him all the best after I beat him. Don't get too cocky. <laughs> Not what? cocky, confidence. 
Don't, yeah, don't but ever confuse, you shouldn't confuse. Yeah, I know, but there is a fine, thin line. <laughs> yeah. Don't cross it. What, what do you want me to say? You're going to beat me. No. I'm going to beat him, that's it. That's yeah, all I've got to say. But that might cross over into overconfidence, and then that and overconfidence renders you blind. Oh, no, I still train, still train very hard. Still right. train very hard. All right, just watch yourself. Okay. Because this comment, your comment could come back and bite you in the butt one day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm putting my place. By a 16 year old. Yeah. A few fights later, you fought Mark Leach at Telford Arena for the British Super Bantamweight title. What was that like to win a British title in front of your hometown fans? Yeah, it was great, and that was always what we set out to do when we turned professional. Um, win a British title. No one from Telford won a British title before, and set a bit of history, and that was the aim. And you may as well be the first. <laughs> yeah, the the night come, Mark Leach is on an eighteen win streak, and um, he was a big favourite. Now I don't think anyone really believed in us. If you watched all the people who know boxing, the pundits, what they. I don't know what they could have meant to know their boxing inside out, professional analysis kind of people, and uh, yeah, no one gave me a chance, but me, my dad, and my family. So I went in there with nothing to lose, really, because he's on, he's a good guy, and uh, I just went in there with a hungry belly, and I believe that night nothing would have stopped me. I uh, a few days before I went to my granddad's grave and promised him I'll be back with the British title and. Yeah, it was, I was, it was tunnel vision. I, I honestly, no person with two arms and two legs that night, I believe, would have beat me and stopped me. I was so focused and um, I had a cut in the first 30 seconds of a 12 round fight. So we still had 36 minutes to go and it was a big cut. And then within a minute, I knew I was behind and I caught him a shot and dropped him. And yeah, I'd done what people didn't believe I could do. and. It was good, but that's done now, so we've got to keep pushing on. And like I say, I had two big fights last year too, and Mark Leach was the one that got me in a good position and put me number one in Britain and set up for these big fights. Yeah. So it's, moments, it's times we talk about moments like this, I understand saying you little guys are capable of big things, never underestimate them no. or you'll pay for it. Yeah. That, that's um, a memory that will last a lifetime like at the minute try not to like dwell and get too happy about it because the job ain't done yet it's still boxing and still got plenty more to do but I'm sure when I'm an old man downstairs sipping a pint I'll uh, I'll look back and be happy with it. During a fight can you tell if you are winning or not? Yeah in your own yeah of course what you think you're always a bit biased to yourself I believe but yeah, I, I, I believe I can read if I'm winning or I don't go back to the corner and ask. Do you know what I mean? I always, um, it's a funny old game because you have to talk to yourself in your own head and obviously if you're winning or not, you come yeah. with a different mindset. So. <laughs> like dividing your consciousness in two. I do that yeah. sometimes. <laughs> you have to figure out if you need to throw the kitchen sink at someone or if you just need to Brother. be clever and keep doing what you're doing. You don't literally throw kitchen sinks at people, do you? <laughs> No, no, no. But I mean, like, you give everything you've got if you're losing to try and catch up. And if you're winning, you just got to keep doing what you're doing and being clever about it. So, yeah, you do have that conversation in your head, for sure. How important 
or your team during a fight. In the between rounds, when you go to your corner, how important is is that thirty seconds? It's actually a minute you get. You get a minute each round. Oh, okay. But it's very important because you need the right advice and you need the eyes. And for me, my team, and I've been with forever. My dad, Andrew McFarlane, Simon Baverstock, and Errol Johnson. We've spent a long time together, and they trust. I trust them. So whatever they say, I will try and put into the play. And yeah. Like I say, we've had 13 fights in a minute, it's all worked out, so... Yeah, it's very important to have a good team around you with giving you the right advice, and I believe I've got the best of that. Okay, your dad is your trainer. How, how do you find that relationship between you both? Is there ever time where it becomes difficult? Yeah, of course. It's not all... We're not all uh, sunshine and rainbows. Who is? We have a lot of we have a lot of hard times and yeah, we've been through we've been head to head and everything and you argue and bicker but when's all said and done and you've calmed down, actually like for myself, my dad's on my case a lot to make sure and I just um, believe it's for the right reason. Where when I was younger, not so old and wise not that I'm old, but older and wiser. Um, I used to take it as a dig and look at it the wrong way when now I look at it like he knows what I need to do and he's just pushing me for the better which is um, good and I'm lucky really because not many people have relationships like me and my dad do like best friends we spend a lot of time together over the years still spending a lot of time together and um, if there's anyone I need to ring for boxing or anything on that matter my dad's my first port of call so yeah, I'm very, very lucky, and the good, good outweighs the bad, 99 to 1. You beat Roluta at Telford to win the European title. What are your memories of that fight, and was that the greatest moment of your career so far? I would say the British still topped, even though the Europeans are better about, because the British was something that um, no one gave me a chance to, and it was my first time boxing in Telford, and I felt like they tried to feed me to the lions a bit, like, and... Yeah, well, this is an ancient Rome, and you're not... Well, you are, but you maybe are a Christian, but this is an ancient Rome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that saying, though, isn't it? Getting fed to the lions. Which the probably derives from the time yeah. Christians were fed, literally fed to said lions. <laughs> but, yeah, the Baluta fight was obviously another big step up and I jumped from the British to the European which people don't normally do so the big ask and again I was doubted and people were saying it's too early especially Baluta, Baluta thought he was going to come in one to me and uh, walk around dancing, tel dancing around Telford but it didn't work out that way and um, I turned up and done the business in the third times have I told people not to be too unconfident? <laughs> <laughs> oh I've got to be confident about that because the fight happened, hasn't it? So I won. Yeah, you're opponent I'm on about. What do you? Walk around dancing out. I think he could he fought a lot better people than my record that I fought. So his record to mine was probably better on like um, who he fought, but I didn't mean that I wasn't ready and I think he believed that I wasn't ready for the fight and Clearly, yeah. that came back. Yeah, it did. And I always remember of, of that fight. I uh, bruised my hand in like the third round. We had to do like nine more rounds. And the next day, all my 
my hands are like balloons, so it was a good thing because you have to get through sometimes hard times for the better. And like I say, looking back now, it was worth it. But I come back to complain to my dad, so my hands gone, yeah, I don't care. And that's the kind of people you need. Get that out of your head. What's the worst thing about training camp for you, and what does a typical day look like for you? Well, the worst thing is the dieting. Oh, for sure. The temptation of wanting something that normally what you can't have is what you want in this life. <laughs> and um, yeah, food is tough. I train three times a day. So I'll get up and go, say, I'll go running or swimming or boxing class. And that'll be at nine, ten o'clock. And then at two o'clock, I do one or the other, like a run or swim, like it mixes every day or sparring. And then on the evening, I'm back at it. So three times a day. So you're probably training six, seven hours a day and you're on like oh. 16, 1700 calories, which you're losing more than that. And um, that's when it can get mentally draining. For I'm, sure. surprised. I'm surprised not a yet. <laughs> oh, when I'm not in camp, I make up for it, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I do. Your dad can't get on your back if you're not... If you, don't, if you don't have to train, I'm training. And I don't live with him now, so I, I live on my own. So I, he, he definitely can't get you now. Lock the door and uh, <laughs> spend the night in the goodie cupboard. As long, as long as he doesn't have, have your key. No, no, I make sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> so do you really be saying all this? <laughs> <laughs> so has camp started for you? How long has camp lasted? Yeah, um, so I'm always training now. So like I said, I don't work, so boxing's my job. and. I got luckily for me, I got good sponsors that help me month to month, just with paying and financially supporting. So um, yeah, I'm dedicated to the boxing, and I'm always in camp. But normally eight weeks of like graft, 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 graft. Do you know what I mean? So it's just about making sure you're ready for the night and giving yourself enough time to lose the weight and do it properly. Your next fight is at Telford International Centre against Jason Cunningham, but. Jason is also fighting Miguel Gonzalez in a few weeks for the fake. I think he's a good last name, right? <coughs> no, you go on, Tom. Apologise if you're Go on, you go on. Vacant WBO International Super weight title. So is that normal for a fighter to have a few fights lined up and not just one fighter at a time? So I think what it was is um, he was meant to fight and they wanted a warm up fight. Um, before the fight with me, so um, they give him a warm up fight, and I would have fought on that show myself. But I'm getting married, so I um, couldn't do that, and that's why it's been put back. But yeah, Jason still wanted to have a warm up fight before he fights me, and hopefully he wins because it keeps that fight alive. I was about to say that if he loses, yeah, done. He's looking for fighting. Was... No. If Jason wins that fight, will all of his titles be on the line when he faces you? If so, what titles will be on the line? Only my titles. Jason ain't got no titles. Um, so it'll be for my British, European and WBC. So, he's got nothing to lose. Nothing Literally. to lose, yeah. You on your hand, that's a match! That's what we yeah. champions, look at that. That's it, that's what i got to make sure you're ready and keep mm -hmm. training. So, um, <laughs> Make sure no one takes him off me, which I'm... So is, I, I, I don't know Miguel Gonzalez, is, is, is Jason likely to beat him or is that not for his fight? Uh, I've never seen him before, he's won 30, lost 3, so he seems decent, come up from the weight, I ain't looked at him at all. 
actually seen Jason. Do your research, mate. I'm not interested in them. Well, why are you fighting here? You have no <laughs> idea what you're doing. I'm not fighting that Mexican guy. Jason Cunningham's fighting him, and um, then yeah, maybe like I said, I don't know if he beats him. Maybe I'll fight him. I'll fight the winner. I don't like I said with earlier on. I don't ask who. I just ask when and how much. That's <laughs> so what I care about. So who's the you current? You should do more research, mate. <laughs> so who's the current? Who's the best? Boxer at this level, then who's the the goal that you want to fight in a few years or whatever? Um, one of the world champions, Stephen Fulton from America and Akimedov from Uzbekistan. So one of them. So to prove if I'm the best or just to see. So how far away is that fight happening? Next year, end of the year. I'm ranked you, nine in the world, so they're ranked one and two. So. You'd, you'd, be, you'd better do your research on those two then. Oh, I've watched them too, yeah, I've watched You'd them better, too. otherwise they could catch you off guard. I've watched them too, I have. Do uncomfortable situations bring out the best or worst out of you? And can you think of a time where you're in an uncomfortable position? In other than, other than me, I mean, other than the day you proposed to your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, not really. I don't really get uncomfortable, are they, to me? Quite a... What would be would be and go with the flow guy, but yeah, obviously, before the before the fight and you're headlining in your hometown, you're on BT Sports and got sold a thousand tickets and you got thousands, maybe millions watching on the TV. It's a bit, it's a bit of pressure and a bit like what you got to make sure it's, you do everything right. But yeah, other than that, it's just I I roll with what will be will be what's meant to be will happen and. What you want to do is say, fight with Jason or get married? Oh, neither. Speech. Speech. Yeah, I'm more nervous about the speech. Dude, dude, I've never been to a wedding, but you should be at least a teeny bit worried. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not worried. You <laughs> should be. Yeah. I'm not worried. Yeah, probably, I'm, I'd say I'm a fighter and I'm soft. I am. I, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm a crier sometimes, so hopefully I can just hold it together because I know Good luck. Like. Um when you beat Jason Cunningham, who do you want to fight next? That's a good start to that question that one. When I beat him, that's good. I like that. Yes. You don't. Then it You two are worse than are worse than each other. Are we positive Melissa? Yeah. yeah I am being positive. <laughs> but um who next well, after Cunningham all being well, we do the job. And I got to fight an Italian guy, um, I can't think of his name, Rigold or something. So maybe it's it's going to be in Telford, maybe they can get it in Italy, I don't know. But yeah, I think they're my next two fights. And then many, after that, maybe a world title or something big. So how many fights do you have a year? Is it sort of Four fights a year? Three or four, yeah. Depends on injuries and stuff. Last year I had two. Do you find that though? I know it's different amateur and professional, the rounds are shorter, but as an amateur you fight in every few weeks, is it? Amateur, yeah, yeah. You can fight one week, then the next. And professionals, you've got like three or four months. Yeah, yeah. Do you find I'd... different might not be in the ring as much? Mm, I would prefer to fight all the time. They wouldn't because they'd have to pay me. <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I'd like to be more active and like I say I'm 26 year old so I want to be as active as possible and do as much as I can before everything's done. You two all are active and you could wind up with arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Finding the right balance in it and 
hopefully we can get three or four in this year and move on to another big year. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Five years' time, I'm 31. Hopefully, in my own house, with a happy family, with two dogs, and done from boxing with a nice wedge of money. Really? <laughs> five years' time? Don't, don't Sooner the better for me. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, it's. Everyone sees the sunshine and rainbows at the end, see you on the night and you won. No one sees the hard work goes in, dieting, not missing parties, weddings, everything, just everything's around boxing. And just sometimes you're there, I just lie there and just wish, just want to be normal. Do you know what I mean? Live a normal life. And It's hard, isn't it? Because I would, I would love to be you. I'd love to come and be a boxer and... But yeah, I see. Mate, you wouldn't last 10 seconds. I know, but I wouldn't, but I like to be as good as me. But like, I see on TV, you watch it for an hour and you think, oh, it's amazing. You see the Vegas and Wembley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't think that the diet is up at 4 a.m. Yeah, taking the yeah. kids to school and all that sort of stuff as well. That mm-hmm. Are you asking for kids one day, one day, Liam? <laughs> yeah, one day. Not yet, because obviously I'm training and at the minute I, I can't. It might sound mean, really mean, but I don't want to come back after training and you but getting woken up in the night and breaking your sleep patterns because it's mentally draining and it's hard enough in the body already so it's more rewarding than you think with kids yeah <laughs> we've come up to the agreement we're going to wait till like 29 30 and after every fight we can have a holiday when you've got kids and stuff <laughs> you, you, not just a holiday but we've got a caravan and it's not so easy to commit yourself to do all these things when you've got kids and like I say, I've got ne- nephews and nieces, so I can have them for a bit, and when they cry, I can take them back. <laughs> that suits me good at the minute. Do you do you ever think about your future after boxing? It is a very dangerous sport, and and can have damaging effects on the body. Do you ever think about that, or do you just live in the moment? With what I've seen so far, I think. What I've heard so far, I think I know the answer to that. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Do live in the moment, yeah. I just um, roll with it, but obviously at the end, my plan is to, at the end of my boxing, get as much as I can done, do, make much memories, because that's what it's about. When you're older, all, all, it's all done. All you have is memories, don't you? And I have, we have made plenty more good memories. We've got good ones already, and 100% I'll be a boxing coach. 100%. Boxing's in my blood, and I love it. My dad runs this gym now, and um, I'm sure I will help him and um, be a partner with him, help running it when it's all said and done, because we've got big knowledge and we can make the next champion out of this community. That would be great, wouldn't it? True. Every week on the podcast, we like our guests to ask questions to each other. So we get a guest to ask a question, but they have no idea who the question's going to be for. This week's question comes from our previous guest, Warwickshire cricket captain Marie Kelly, and she asks, "If you could have one meal for the rest of your lives, what would it be and why?" Mm-hmm. Um, what would you have? Yeah, I love burgers, mate. Love burgers. But if you choose burgers, you'll have to give up pizza. <laughs> no, I like pizza too. <laughs> too much choice. Well, I'm gonna go with a burger with some chips. With some like um, Stilton cheese sauce on the burger and stuff. 
No, you like yeah, like make me hungry now. Yeah, some like, onion rings. <laughs> Go out onion rings. Yeah, something like that would be on. I'm not really a big fan of onion. I love a Sunday dinner though as well. It's hard. So straight after your fight, hit safe water. Straight into. You know after after the fight, it's always hard because you have to obviously you have to have tests and um, drug tests and whatever. So you come in the back, you probably do like ten interviews, which take an hour or so. You in the do your testing. You come back. You got like always have my family. To make sure you're not on anything. Yeah. Which I don't see you as doing anything like that. I know. Don't ever. Nah. <laughs> okay. And um, then you're in then. Obviously, I always have my family, my little sisters, wife-to-be, my brothers, sister, mom, dad, and all my coaches. So we normally have a sit in there chatting for an hour or so. Do you know what I mean? While everything, people are coming in, doing interviews. And, How do yeah. you find them? You just mentioned your family. Obviously, your dad's poison care. He's He's a boxer, knows knows the sport. But what was like your family there? Your, your fiance's there, your mum's there, watching you get punched in the face. I would be surprised if how they, they how do they feel like that? See, my mum's my mum known that we've always done it from young lad. My young brother Brad is had four one fours a professional at the minute, so he's on the come up. And I think my mum just got used to it over the years. She normally has a good drink before, to be honest. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's her way and helps. But yeah, we've both done very well. We've not really lost many, so she ain't had it too bad. And touch wood, it yeah. don't change. But as I was saying before, after the fight, you spend a long time. I don't normally leave. And I have all these people buy tickets. So I always tell them to come back here and I meet them here. So I always come here for an hour, which is hard because people are drunk. Like last time, everyone's drunk and they've been out since six o'clock. It's one in the morning. I've just got back and I've got blue hands and they're trying to shake my hand. And I say, I can't shake your hand, but thank you. And... <laughs> I come here for a bit, and then about two, three o'clock. I never sleep on that night; it's always crazy. Two, three o'clock. The only place open to get some good food, McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Not that, but not that you have a problem with that. Yeah. So normally go down McDonald's, get a Big Mac, always bigger than your belly because you've been starving. You've been going, oh, Big Mac, McChicken sandwich, nuggets, anything I can get. Go home, eat a few bites, and I'm full. And then, 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 have, then have your, your fiance rip you a new one. Yeah. <laughs> no, to be fair, she's she's knackered because she's obviously been on the adrenaline roller coaster where before she's worrying and then after she's really happy. So she comes back, normally put the telly on, sit on the sofa because I don't normally fall asleep. Try to. I always try and reply to everyone on my phone because to me that's a big thing just. Just to say thank you, do you know what I mean? And recognise. Um, so, yeah, normally I'm up about. Last time I think it was like five o'clock in the morning, she's flat out and uh, well, I'm going to have a bath. Made myself a coffee <laughs> and had a bath at like five in the morning. And just, the adrenaline's still going. Yeah, on. you're still buzzing then. About eight, nine o'clock, you're up. I always go to my granddad's grave and my uncle's grave to show them. So. And then from there, normally a Sunday dinner, big pudding or two puddings. <laughs> or three. Yeah. <laughs> Could you do the same, please? Can you think of a question for our next guest, please? But we are going to tell you who the guest is. Yeah. The question could be anything you want. Yeah, anything. As you can see, as you can see by the last one, it has nothing. It doesn't even have anything to do with sport. Yeah. It can be totally random. Um, let me think. Try and make it a good one. This is me? this is the time where we rack people's creative brains. <laughs> have they ever? Can they tap their tap their head and rub their belly? <laughs> <laughs> 
I would just like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. Really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Liam. We really enjoyed speaking with you and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me and any time. Hopefully next time um, we'll have a world title later that day, guys. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine.